Welcome to the PreparedX Podcast, your complete source for crisis, emergency, business continuity and security preparedness interviews, news, and much more. Now, your host, he creates chaos for a living, Rob Burton. Hello and welcome to episode 127 now of the PreparedX Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rob Burton. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, before we dive in, this episode is brought to you by First Look, which, of course, is a service by PreparedX, um, tailor-made crisis simulation exercises that we put together and you deliver. So if you want some more information on that, check out First um, First Look by PreparedX and go to our website, preparedx.com slash first look so welcome to another episode of the repaired x podcast of course we are your voice on crisis management and uh, it's a privilege today uh, that we're hosting uh, an esteemed uh, expert in the area of crisis management and that is a uh, brendan monahan welcome brendan hey rob good to be here yeah, likewise. And uh, Brendan uh, spoke at the conference, ICMC conference, uh, last um, you know in the June, uh, begin, beginning of the summer here. So we appreciate that. And uh, uh, before we jump into the Q and A today, uh, Brendan, can you just let folks know a little bit about your career so far, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, I currently uh, am the head of crisis management and resilience for a uh, global pharmaceutical company. Uh, I've worked there for about five and a half years and uh, uh, coordinate business continuity, crisis management, and a few key risk areas for the U.S. market for that organization. Um, prior to, to joining that company, I worked for two critical infrastructure owner and operators in the U.S., a, an energy company, and then uh, uh, the biggest water company uh, in the world. There again, uh, as a member of the security leadership team, leading crisis management, business continuity, and security intelligence efforts. And then before that, I worked for um, a state office of Homeland Security agency as a, an intelligence investigator and leading counterterrorism um, analysts in, in uh, teams looking at uh, threat assessments. Great. Well, I appreciate that. And so, you know, a great amount of experience and, of course, uh, perfect fit from what you did in the past to jump into the role of, of running an organization's crisis management on a global scale. So uh, appreciate your time today. So I want to jump in, uh, Brandon, initially and talk about some fundamentals. Uh, you know, we, we talk often about crisis management plans and what should be in those plans and how often we need to revisit, to revamp them and update them. So uh, what's your perspective on the foundation piece? Yeah, so I think, you know, the foundations, when I think about the foundations in, in the crisis management context, I think more in terms of capabilities, right? And that the the plans and the documentation and um, and everything that follows from that should begin with a core set of capabilities. Your, your um, required documentation, your planning material may be driven to some extent by obligations you have to regulators or other stakeholders, and internal and external. Um, so sometimes that varies and the, the degree to which um, you have control over what goes into those sometimes varies yeah, too. Sure. But, but what you can really focus on is what capabilities matter most. So for me, you know, when I think about that, what comes to mind are really four things, right? The ability to recognize that an event qualifies as a crisis or emergency. Right? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the ability to quickly come to consensus that something is happening and it's escalating, and then to escalate quickly in parallel to whatever is happening. Right. Yep. So a, a systematic, programmatic response to to escalating rapidly, responsibly, and then third, um, having some kind of structured way of identifying objectives, 
and delegating actions to those objectives yep. and mapping those things. Yep. And then lastly is to be able to do those three activities sustainably for as long as you need to do them. Yep. Love it. Love it. So that your know, explanation there of some of the most difficult things that we 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 do as crisis leaders and organizations struggle with. And and really, you know, that first piece, and we were talking about it in some exercises in, in October, I think we did three or four in various different markets. And, uh, you know, one of the struggles is for, you know, organizations to come together and clearly define very quickly, you know, is this, you know, obviously, this is an issue. That's why we're here. But is it a crisis and that process and practicing that? And that's why we do these exercises, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so many crises come with a bang, right? And they're they're obvious, right? Something's happening, and, and it's all hands on deck. Yep. And in a lot of ways, those are the easier ones, right? Sure. The really challenging ones, the really, in my opinion, interesting ones, are the ones where there's not agreement that there's a problem. Yeah. Right? Think about think about this, Rob. It's January 2020, and there's a regional phenomenon called novel coronavirus somewhere in Asia that no nobody's really clear on. What yep. that means for us in Boston or right. Houston or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's you know kind of an area where building capabilities is really important. Yeah, for sure. So in terms of real world application, then, you know, of course, there's lots of examples uh, out there that we can talk on. It's not, you know, and we, you know, we don't use this as an opportunity to beat up on any one organization that, you know, obviously <laughs> didn't do well as it relates yeah. to responding to crises, because that happens on, on, a, on a regular basis. And that's why we, we do what we do. So, um, you know, you know, any, any ones that stand out for you and specifically some of those lessons that we can all kind of, you know, you know, glean from them. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's easy to point to a lot of the big kind of headline makers on this topic, you know, but but I, I hate to sort of do that in a way that uh, implicates those crisis teams. Yeah, right. You know, it's it. There's a lot of reasons why these things can go sideways, and ultimately, whether you know, if you want specifics, right, whether it's something like the Samsung situation or the 737 Max situation, or even a lot of the data breaches and sure. data privacy. Um, foul ups that have made big headlines. Any of these big headline making um, failures, for want of a better term, I think it comes down to um, two things in, in my mind. There's usually some kind of a conceptual failure. And then there's often either instead of or in addition to some kind of a communications sort of misstep. Right. right? So the conceptual failure, I mean, like, there was a failure of analysis or acceptance that there was going to be a problem. Right. Or that that this was in fact a bang or was it? Right. right. The problem is is creeping up on us. It's simmering, smoldering, but it's not it's not a fire until now it is. And, right. And we've lost some time sure. in, the, in the interim. And then there's the the sort of communications missteps that you know companies maybe for for all the right reasons just don't say the right thing. Um, and and that sometimes comes back to bite you. So th those are the the takeaways from the failures. But I, you know, I, I also I think there's some really interesting findings from some recent events too. That there's a an after action report that the State Department just published, um, an unclassified version of the Afghan withdrawal process mm -hmm. that the the State Department did on its on its own U.S. State Department response to that situation. And there's some really interesting recommendations in there. And the, the first recommendation in that report um, is to strengthen the department's overall crisis preparedness 
And there are several bullet points on how they intend to do that. And if you look at it, it's really interesting. It's the things we talk about, right? Identifying a central coordinator, finding the stakeholder map and bringing in the right players. Right? Right. They, you know, whether it's finance, HR, procurement, the, the ones you may not think of. Right, um, right, right. right. So, so, so I thought that was really, that was interesting reading um, in terms of things that haven't gone as well as maybe the teams would have hoped. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a look at that. I've not seen that, but you know, it, you know, some of those, you know, I've I've got a, a rolling list of common issues that come up, and and again, you know, over the years that we've collected from you know running exercises or just reviewing, you know, again based on open source data that's out there from the news or wherever else it comes from, and and again, you know, those, you know, I, I can I can almost give this document. I mean, I've I've done blogs on it, we've done podcasts on it. <laughs> it's almost you know we, we send it out. It's like before mm. we before we come to do the exercise, this is what we will find right and of course you know it's, <laughs> sure. it's never it's never the full 20 or whatever it is a 25 list you know we have, obviously there's a, a few in there but that that's uh yeah that that's you know again um and it comes down to a lot a lot i think it comes down to practicing that as well and we'll come on to exercises mm -hmm. later on and, and refining that so but let's jump into the team dynamics now I, i'd love to touch and hear your thoughts on that uh when you're building out that capability um with some of those essential roles what, what are you, what's your view on the team and the and the you know getting that team together and, and really preparing them. Yeah, you know, I think I think what matters here is that you've got a team that's got its roles and responsibilities defined independently of whatever their normal day jobs are. Right. Right. Very often, the the crisis team may consist of people who have a regular full time job, and their their task of being their site or their country's crisis coordinator or what have you, in addition to their their normal day job. So sometimes you have to contend with that right that they yep. have a role and then they have a, a role on the crisis team yep. and i think on the crisis team you, you've got to have some kind of clearly defined accountable leader like a decision maker the neck to choke right that's the person who's gonna where the buck stops but there also needs to be a second person it's not the same person usually who's like a process guardian or a shepherd of the crisis policy for the enterprise so if you've got a policy, if you're lucky enough to have something kind of formalized, you want somebody who's like, okay, the, these are the things we need to do to ensure that we're internally compliant with, mm -hmm. with our own expectations and then help the team to sort of come together because um, most people aren't doing that every day full time. So yep. they, they need some support. And then you need, you need someone who's going to build kind of a common operating picture on an ongoing basis. Yep. What's happening? You know, wh where do we stand without conjecture? And then usually like a good project manager. Sometimes that's the easiest one to get. Grab them from the organization. Track these tasks, find accountable people, and keep us updated on an ongoing basis. Yeah, love love those. You know the process shepherd. I'm going to use that again. I like that's a, that's a new one for that <laughs> shepherd who who keeps you know everyone on track. And uh, you know crisis coordinator is one that, a term that we use that kind of encompasses a number of these that you mentioned there. But yeah, that project manager we found uh, to be invaluable just to keep mm -hmm. you know like especially when these things go on for days and weeks. And of course, you know some of these events, you know like you mentioned, you know the fire that we can put out quickly. We we like those in, in terms of getting it out of the way. Of course, there's all 
always lessons afterwards. But you know, those ongoing, you know, cyber events that could last weeks and, and in some cases, of course, you know, months, you know, we need to be able to keep on track of everything that's going on and and documentation as well, that whole process yeah. as well. It's yeah, so good, great stuff, great stuff. And um, we touched on it at the beginning and, and the challenges around communication. So uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on you know effective communications, of course, being critical uh, during crises as well. So uh, what are your thoughts around this and transparency and having, you know, obviously a, a solid strategy in place? Yeah. I mean, for, for me, in my experience, this is, this is one worth like delegating, right? This is a real specialty and there are people yeah. that are so good at this. Right. Um, and I don't claim to be one of them, but it's, it's just so important. It's probably in addition to the, the roles we mentioned just a moment ago, one of the most important to that leader, right? That they should be side by side, the communications person and the and whoever's leading the crisis response. You know, um, transparency to me is is paramount. And what I think of when I think of transparency is really clarity and honesty. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm going to be very clear. I'm going to share what I know. Maybe that's it. I'm going to share what I know without conjecture. And at times I may be able to share what I know and what I think. Right. Right. But it's going to be clear what I'm saying and why. And it's going to come across as honest. And it has to be kind of seasoned with empathy, sincerity. Right. Um, The absence of that will make whatever message you're sending, however precise, just fall flat. Um, There is an awesome example of this working well. Um, from 2018, the, the 2018 KFC chicken crisis. Yes. Yeah. 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 Remember this one? Yeah. Yeah. So the, you know, the KFC brand fried chicken, um, they had this supply chain failure in the UK. So 800 stores are without chicken for a, an extended period because of road accidents. And it's kind of this like unfortunate series of events that cascaded out of their control. But their response from the communications side was so funny. And so spot on that it almost, you know, the public almost forgave them for <laughs> yeah. um, being out of chicken for a while. They they changed KFC to FCK on yeah. their, their <laughs> yeah, pocket. Right. Yeah, and yeah. The, you know, hashtag where's my chicken? And right. the colonel is working on it. So <laughs> yeah. they they took a you know a humorous spin on it. Not every organization can do that, but it's consistent with their values, right? right. And their and their their brand. So for all those reasons, I think communications is really important. And you need an expert to calibrate those those messages right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was another one as well, um, and it was um, uh, it was a, a, the crock pot. Yeah, the crock pot. Um, so there, there was a show on television called I forget the name of the show now, where there's a crock pot fire, and the history of crock pots has never been fired. So you know it blew up on social media because the the favorite character in the show had died, and it was so it became this social media. You know, wow. oh, I'm not using my crock pot anymore. I'm going to pull the crock pot for crock. So hey, crock pot never had a Twitter page until this until this started happening. So they had to create one on the fly, and then they just had to you know the messaging was we feel sorry that this main character has died again. <laughs> The show, the show will come. This is us. I think is the name of the show. And it, you know, and it, it was a great character. I remember yeah. watching the show many years ago. And uh, but they said, like you know, in the history of crock pots, never, not one has ever, you know, there's never been a fire. Um, and so, but they didn't even have social, you know, very limited social media. So, and they and they turned it around. And actually, I think you know, I, I looked at some articles later on, and you know, sales went up again. So they turned, you know, they turned sure, this, yeah. turned this event into a positive. So, 
which is uh, which is great. All right, this is fantastic. Uh, appreciate you jumping on here. So, the role of technology. You know, we've got so much technology now. You know, mm. um, of course, AI is the big you know the big buzzword at the, at the moment. But uh, yes. you know, in, in terms of utilizing technology to benefit the crisis management process, from you know from the preparedness through to the recovery piece, what 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 are your thoughts around that? You know, I, I think it's it's discussion that I'm paying attention to, but I just don't, like, I don't really know yet what I'm on the fence. You know, I think it's still when it comes to AI and large language models and, and all of those technologies, we're still kind of in the hype cycle. So, yeah. so everyone that's in that space, that's in that business, you know, kind of has a duty to comment on it and to be putting out a product in that area. So it's a little difficult to, to separate mm -hmm. um, the wheat from the chaff. So, so I'm, um, honestly, I'm a little skeptical about some of the products today, right? Because I don't, I don't know how they could be, you know, maybe where the claims are quite, quite yet. But yeah. I'm really curious about where this is going because I think there's a lot of potential. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of potential that that could be um, that could benefit crisis practitioners in terms of yeah. how we do documentation and how we how we develop learning and and um, speed up some of the processes we normally use today. I'm also very, I mean, we got to be honest, there's a lot of things that I don't think we should automate or should put into the trust of AI. Um, there's so much human interaction and and art to the, the crisis management world that I just don't, I don't know how that's going to be replaced by some right. of this technology. Yep. What I'm hopeful is that, you know, the technology enhances our ability, kind of co-pilots us into the future. Um, you know, the, the other thing, Rob, is that this is going to, probably if if the the claims are even partly true it's probably going to alter the way society interacts and the way businesses do business um and that's going to introduce new challenges for crisis teams that you know we're already swimming in new swim lanes so yeah 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 sure yeah and i i you know i i fear i fear we'll we'll, we'll kind of you know we'll, we'll we'll get away from the basics which we're not doing yeah. well, which some, some organizations don't do well uh, at, already. And so, and then all of a sudden we're going to re be more heavily reliant on, you know, more pieces of technology to, to give us an answer when the reality is the answer, you know, is right in front of you. Um, you know, so, you know, we, we look at that from a continuity perspective. It's funny, you know, we, we the more exercises we do as it relates to a technology failure, you know, new piece of technology and, you know, an outsourcing overseas or whatever it may be. And what we find is, you know, we, we we lean back on okay this system is down for a period of time or the network's down whatever it's data centers impacted whatever it may be and it's just like okay we start to talk about business continuity planning and, and it seems like you know the basics of business continuity in some institutions anyway is is kind of like taking a back step and they're like well we, we do really need to rely upon that because you know the faster this technology comes online and and the and the and the more complex it gets in terms of adding more technology uh the more difficult it's going to be to to do the basics and uh, we need to get the basics, basics right. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think blocking and tackling is never going to serve you wrong, right? And right. when it comes to the new the new things, there's always going to be something new. We just have to be smart about how we make use of the application. 
Yeah, for sure. Okay, good stuff. Uh, so, you know, we're kind of going through the stages here. So, uh, you know, big thing that we talk about all the time is that, you know, after action review period, we talk about, you know, I'm, I'm a big stickler for remediation planning, because why did we do the exercise? Or, you know, why did we go through this real event uh, and not, you know, analyze how we did and, and how things can be improved? So in terms of, you know, those, you know, post exercise pieces, what, what are you, what's your experience there and thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, driving the driving those follow up actions once once everyone goes home after the exercise is right. hard. Right. You know, you got to have a venue for that. You know, we have quarterly meetings where every stakeholder gets together, and and right. that's an area where we can drive some of that action. Um, but you got to have some kind of a venue that that makes sense in your organization for for doing it, whether it's in like project management meetings or you know, getting the right attention to the to the findings that that have emerged from your exercise. Yep. For me, what works is, is doing a hot wash right away, right? Yep. So the exercise is over. What did we learn right here? And, and what I usually say at the beginning of the exercise is my hope for you today is that you go home with something you can use right now or something mm -hmm. you can improve today. Right. Um, so then we come back, what was that thing? And inevitably there's something. Um, so hot wash right away. And then, and then come back with, some key stakeholders, the exercise planners, and do you know a formal um, AAR, right? Put it on paper, and yep. it's not about um, pulling anyone's pants down. It's just right. about this is what we did, this is what we learned, and and this is where we think we can do something next. Yeah, yeah, I love that ownership piece as well. And again, you, you make that, you highlight that up front, or even even way before your exercise, right? Just kind of some awareness around, you know, you're gonna, you know, hopefully take something away, but take that ownership as well, as well as well, especially if it fits into, you know, your area of the roles and responsibilities. So, yeah, really important. And then you're more likely to, you know, get a change, right? You're more likely to, you know, have that improvement process and that cycle uh, that you know actually works. So, okay, great stuff. All right, we're gonna come towards the end here, and of course, we always end uh, our interviews here with uh, simulation uh, exercises and uh, of course you know we, we love our exercises here at prepared x but uh, uh brendan love to hear your thoughts on obviously exercises and uh, your experiences there yeah i mean for me it's it's exercise first exercise last like exercise that, like that it, yeah. if you're gonna spend time in a review cycle and focus on documentation um you may have to do that but pound for pound dollar for dollar i'm going to spend my resources on on exercises because I'm just going to get the most bang for it. Um, and, and what I look at when I work on exercises in the organizations I work with is really focusing on good, solid objectives, right? Start with there. Like, what is the point of this exercise? Yep. There could be many reasons, right? You, you may, um, you may want to test how your business continuity interacts with your crisis team. You may want to test something specific and kind of advanced. You may want to roll trucks and, Yep. practice communications over different types of tools, radios and emergency notification tools. Um, but it could be as simple, Rob, as going back to those, those basics, right? Can we assemble our team? Can we put that team through its paces to come to consensus on a um, escalation path, right? Where the scenario is written in such a way that it's not obvious and there's no real right or wrong answer, right? Sometimes the scenarios that we deal with um, in exercises are kind of like not that bad sounding, right? It's not the not the Hollywood things exploding. It's maybe there's water in the production area, and what do we do about that? Right. And drive that team to debate, 
yep. and, and feel what it's like to be uncomfortable telling your boss something they may not want to hear, but yeah. in a constructive way. Yeah. So really drive the objectives and then let the scenario follow from that. Yeah. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So we, we went one recently and it was, uh, you know, it was those definitions and one, you know, one of the objectives was kind of, kind of, you know, clean up that piece. And, and there was, um, you know, a technology team who had their own cert plan. So from a cyber incident response team perspective, right. And so they're the, the, a separate definition, what a crisis looks mm, like to yeah. them, of course, which makes sense because yeah. it's different, right. Different. So, so, a, you know, really good discussion around, you know, you know one team said, yeah, we're, we're in crisis mode and, you know, another team said, well, hold on a second, you know, so, so again, you know, uh, that conversation, you know, what happens, you know, um, in, in those exercises is just, uh, you know, just incredible what you get. Yeah. The results at the end of the exit. I can't. I mean, scenario plan is just invaluable in, in my mind. Of course, it's yeah. our it's our business. But uh, when you start to tell a story as well, Brendan, and you know when you create that storyline, and you know it really engages the folks, right? Versus just coming into a room and talking, you know, about you know about another project or you know. But um, if you can put a little bit of craft around it, and and you know, there's got yeah. lots of great storytellers in the organization, right? I'm sure you've got them there. Yeah, and isn't it? I mean, I'm sure you, you've experienced this too, where the exercise scenario actually manifests itself like a year later or someone in the room is like oh my gosh this the same day this yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's always interesting yeah we did yeah we I, I tell this one i've told this one before anyway we were with uh, an insurance client many years ago and uh, in an active shooter at the headquarters exercise um and it was headquarters you know simulated tabletop exercise for the management team and as we're in the middle of it the facilities guy said stop the exercise we've had um, an employee from our dallas office leave the office on his way out he told you know the lady that was on the front desk that he was going to go to his car and get his gun and come back he wasn't happy oh about gosh. something in the middle of the yeah you know, in the middle of it so and, if, and anyway luckily nothing happened and uh you know yeah. the, it was it was dealt with but um but uh yeah that's you know that's why we do these things right to, you know. so anyway yeah. listen uh this has been wonderful uh, uh brendan how can folks get a hold of you i know you you know linkedin might be good a good place we'll, we'll add that link into the to show notes linkedin is the easiest way to find me rob uh, feel free to drop me a line there i'm, I'm always interested to engage with with other pros in the, in the space Great. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate your time uh, today and uh, we look forward to chatting again soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Rob. Good talking with you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, that wraps up episode 127 of the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Again, if you want to rate us on iTunes, we'd really appreciate that or any of the other outlets where you're listening to this. And uh, just a final note, our 2024 ICMC, International Crisis Management Conference, dates are set for June 4th to 6th. So we look forward to seeing some of you in Rhode Island uh, in uh, 2024. Again, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate your time. Take care.